0: You are locked on Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today's episode is brought to you. By our old friend BuiltBar. They're back. If you go to BuiltBar.com and enter promo code LOCKEDON at checkout, you can get 10 bucks off of your first order. And today we're continuing with training camp coverage. We're going to kind of do a lot of day-to-day stuff, but today I really want to focus on something because there is a little bit of a double standard with training camp. And unlike most double standards, it's one that I think is actually pretty appropriate. But I'll just kind of let that uh, dangle out there in the ether for you. I'll get to that later. First, let's talk a little bit about some of the things that have ebbed and flowed over uh, the last couple of days of camp. Uh, Some of the things that I haven't talked about In uh, the last couple of episodes, for example, Jake Browning seems to be struggling a little bit. He's throwing too many interceptions. He's throwing inaccurate passes, making guys work for it. He's had his kind of ups and downs, but too many downs to be like realistically challenging Sean Mannion for that backup spot. That's kind of disappointing. I kind of hoped that Jake Browning would be able to at least, like, give Sean Mannion a run for his money and make Sean Manion like, earn that spot instead of just kind of getting it by default because he's smart. Uh, but it doesn't seem like Browning is able to, like, put up that challenge right now. But, hey, there's a lot of time left, and that's going to kind of apply to all of these things. In the running back group, Dalvin Cook actually took some reps with the first team in 11-on-11s. So he did not do that yesterday. And now instead of speculating whether or not it's like part of a weird like semi holdout or if it was part of just like injury precaution or just like them limiting his workload or whatever, it's very clear that whatever participation Dalvin Cook has, it's coach's decision. And there's a lot of strategic considerations to be made there in terms of how much wear and tear you want to put on him versus how much you want to get him up to speed so that he's ready to go for week one. But with like entrenched starters that you don't really need to evaluate in camp or don't really need to do anything, uh, it makes a little bit more sense to take training camp easy on them, especially in a season like the 2020 season with COVID and everything that's going to make it a lot weirder. You might want them to be that much fresher. So that means a lot of the first-team reps are still going to Alexander Madison, and apparently Mike Boone has also looked pretty good as well, although running backs are, like, notoriously difficult to evaluate in camp because there's no tackling, and that's, like, a huge part of their job. So with that in mind, it looks like Mike Boone put on a decent amount of muscle, uh, and he looks a lot more powerful. And with a guy like Mike Boone, who's more of a scat-back type, adding a little bit of muscle and an element of power to his game could kind of, like, unlock a, a new level of production. In the wide receiver group, it doesn't sound like B.C. Johnson has yet relinquished his job as the second wide receiver. Justin Jefferson is still a third wide receiver. Uh, If you ask anybody about why that is, they would first jump to tell you that Justin Jefferson, of course, is everything that is advertised, and they're all really impressed with his performance, but that B.C. Johnson is holding his own in a position battle that nobody really thought he had a chance in and uh, currently is like pulling off that upset, I guess. But I, again, there's a lot of time left for that to transpire, so it's difficult crown anybody just yet, but BC Johnson is doing at least better than expected at this juncture, which is nice. It gets really interesting along the offensive and defensive lines. They were finally able to observe some O-line, D-line one-on-ones. Some people really praised the right side of the offensive line, and yes, that does include Pat Elfline, who seemed to have a pretty good day on Tuesday, which is nice. But also in one on ones, right now, uh, Jalen Holmes is still taking first team reps for Daniel Hunter, who missed yet another practice. This is his third in a row. It's still uh, a little concerning, but not a full blown panic, of course. I mean, if he got a minor injury, like imagine yourself in the coach's position and Daniel Hunter suffers like a minor injury that if you pushed it, it could possibly flare up some more. And if you didn't do it, it'll be gone in a week. If I'm Mike Zimmer or Andre Patterson or whoever, I am totally shutting him down for a whole week and playing that with, like, the most abundance of caution. Daniel Hunter does not need a lot of training camp reps to get ready, he knows the scheme, he knows how to work with his teammates, and he certainly doesn't need, like, the time for, like, training and development like a DJ Wanam or a Drew Samia would. So it's still perfectly plausible that this is just, like, the abundance of caution kind of thing, but still, something to keep an eye on. And in his place, Jalen Holmes is getting his butt kicked by Brian O'Neill, as you would probably expect, and on the other side, Ifadio Denebo got a couple of wins against Riley Reef in one-on-ones and has overall looked pretty good against Riley Reef, which that's the zero-sum game of training camp. Somebody looks good, somebody looks bad, and there's always kind of that dichotomy, and there's a little bit of a Rorschach element to that. You could say, wow, look, Fadio Denebo beating the starter, or you could say, oh, wow, Riley Reef is losing to some guy who's been a backup his whole t- you know, you could go whatever direction you want with that. Personally, I don't really think either of them is that productive. But in the cornerback group, that's where all the headlines are still being made. Cameron Dantzler got another interception off of Kirk Cousins. Apparently, it was a really nice read where he came all the way across the field. There's a couple highlights posted of it online. If you go to like the Vikings website or go to the Vikings Twitter account or whatever, you can find all those highlights. Uh, But it's really hard to see like the actual read or the play call or like what the play that he made was, but it's a nice looking interception. He high high points it nicely and it's fun to watch for sure. But that hype train keeps on a rolling. Andre Patterson was asked about this development and basically he said, yeah, no, he's playing really well, but what I want to see from him is for it to continue, right? It doesn't mean anything if Cameron Dantzler lights up a whole bunch of practices in August and then cools down by the time it's, you know, time to actually play and then doesn't play well. So he needs to see it keep up. And that was a quote that he gave before Tuesday's practice. And then in Tuesday's practice, Cameron Dantzler made uh, another major play. He also got caught off guard by Alexander Hollins on a rep, which the Vikings Twitter account also posted. Uh, and then I think it was Warren Sharp pointed out like, look, he actually isn't be having a perfect, which I think is just like hilarious. Again, it's a zero sum game. Somebody always wins. Somebody always loses. And what you're looking for is patterns. And the pattern right now is a lot more positive than negative from Cameron Dansler. And uh, I think the hype train still is justified in rolling on. There was also a roster transaction on Tuesday. The Vikings signed Hardy Nickerson Jr., which is a phenomenal football name. He's a linebacker, played mostly with the Bengals for uh, the last few years. And they waived cornerback Marcus Sales. If you remember him, he was one of the CFL guys, had that big punt block, uh, resume from college. And we'll talk more about Hardy Nickerson a little bit later in the show. But first, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar, but it tastes like a candy bar. That's their whole shtick. And really, it bears out. It's true. They're delicious. They come in a lot of really interesting flavors, anything from like orange chocolate, if you want to get weird, to more traditional stuff like chocolate peanut butter. They actually have a whole bunch of new flavors that are coming out, like cookies and cream, caramel brownie, stuff that sounds delicious. But it is a low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber treat. So if you're looking to lose weight or maintain weight, something that I know are- We're all thinking about in quarantine here, right? Built bar after a workout or just when you feel like something covered in 100% chocolate might be the answer. And it's keto friendly. I know a bunch of people. I mean, I live in LA. I know a million people who are on keto and they always complain about how they don't really get to like snack. So this is the kind of thing that can help break up like a super regimented diet, like people who are like really into keto and every meal is prepped and everything is like super planned out, being able to have a quote unquote cheat day without really feeling like you ruined it is pretty nice. So head on over to builtbar.com, order a box. And when you enter uh, at checkout, you can enter a promo code, enter promo code locked on and you get 10 bucks off of that first order. That's builtbar.com, promo code locked on. It's no secret that training camp is really, really hard to derive a take from. And I try really hard not to do. I mean, I'm diving into the Cameron Dantzler thing like full steam ahead just because it's more fun to than to choose not to. But I acknowledge that that's like irresponsible, right? Like we still don't know that much more than we did two weeks ago if Cameron Dantzler is going to be able to come into a game against the Green Bay Packers and like cover Devontae Adams, right? There's still like a huge question mark there. We can probably be like a little more optimistic, but let's be honest, a few training camp practices really shouldn't sway our opinion that much. But I choose as a born and bred Minnesota sports fan to let myself get hurt again, because that's how we do things. But this isn't really about that. Like, it is a lot easier to buy into the Cameron Dantzler hype train, or it's a lot easier to believe when you hear things like, oh, Adam Thielen's having a great camp. Harrison Smith is having a great camp. Things that people have said, by the way. And it's a lot easier to buy into that and go, oh, okay, well, yeah, good. That means he's good, right? Great. This is, all, the Adam Thielen's been, you know, burning cornerbacks. Oh, that probably means his hamstring is healthy. Excellent. And we can kind of take that information and use it as, like, evidence of a take in a way that we really can't with, Pat Elfline had a good day on Tuesday. Like, when I said in the last segment, Pat Elfline had a good day on Tuesday, what was your immediate reaction? Because mine, when I first read that, was, alright, great, let's see if he can do another one. Or was this just a fluke? And if I were a betting man, I'd probably say that it's a fluke. Again, I already mentioned that I had a little bit of skepticism about him moving to right guard, and sure, there is, like, a plausible explanation that, oh, he's just doing better because right guard is more comfortable for him, and if I'm wrong about that, then great, sure. But I think right now the more likely thing that I'm gonna think is, all right, that's probably more fluky or maybe just had a good day, but he clearly doesn't have enough good days to be like a reliable starter. and that's like the nature of O line yada yada, yada. So why do we respond to positive news so differently depending on the player? And the answer is pretty obvious. It's priors, right? I came into camp with a prior that Pat Elfline wouldn't play well. And so when he does play well, there's kind of two avenues you could take. You could go, Ah, all right, well I was wrong, or you could kind of say, try to explain it away and reconcile it with your prior view. And that latter one is one that I don't think is particularly helpful once the real football starts, because I think we can be a lot more objective when it comes to training camp. I think that that double standard, that use of of prior evaluations becomes a really, really useful tool to contextualize performance. If you were an alien that just came down to earth, but you knew everything about football or whatever, and you just watched these few practices of training camp, you would think best corner on the team is Cameron. Dantzler, you would think Stacy Keeley, who's been taking all the second team reps uh, with Daniel Hunter out of the lineup. He's the one that moved from third team to second team, not the rookies in Willickis and Wanham. You would think, OK, Stacey Keeley is probably going to make the team. You'd think Pat Elfline is a totally fine guard and you wouldn't understand why everybody's so mad about him. And you would I mean, we could go all the way down the roster and say all these things that we maybe think a big one would be, you know, you would think Kirk Cousins is an interception machine because he's actually been throwing a lot of picks in camp. Uh, I've been on record saying that that's actually probably more of a good thing than a bad thing in camp. Uh it's like the classic Aaron Rodgers story where Aaron Rodgers will throw interceptions all over the place in camp basically to try to like test the like limit test his timings and he'll say okay if I were like this late to this throw does it get picked off? Okay, yes, cool. No, now I know that I can't miss it by there. I know exactly how much I can afford to miss that by before like the the coverage comes in and picks it off or whatever. And Aaron Rodgers uses it as like a testing case. I don't know if Kirk Cousins is doing the same thing or if he's just off his game right now, or whatever, but I would probably guess that it's more about being more comfortable with risk taking in an environment where you don't get punished for risk taking. But I digress. If you were an alien that just came down and were watching Kirk Cousins for the first time, you would think, oh no, he's like really struggling. But I think it's pretty easy for us to be comfortable with that because like accuracy, like throwing inaccurate passes has never really been an issue for him and throwing like dangerous interceptions, at least for the last couple of years. And and in 2019, he was really good at being safe. So we understand that he like has the ability to be a safe quarterback and coming out of his shell and taking more risks, we can say, well, actually we can like frame that as a good thing because the context informs it. Similar to Pat Elfline. I oh, know he had one good day, but we know that he struggled with all these things in the past and one good day with the pads on in a practice against uh, Jaleel Johnson or whoever. Actually, I think he did most of his reps against Armin Watts, but like one good day against like Armin Watts is like not necessarily something that is going to flip all of the data that we have on Pat Elfline watching him for the last three years. And honestly, I think priors are kind of an important part of evaluation, not from like a stubborn like, oh, just look for what you have to look for to confirm what you already thought, but more to contextualize. And that way you can like better identify things that are fluky and you can kind of like use it to try to find patterns. And if patterns are changing or if patterns are uh, continuing, then you can kind of use that information to figure out and, and kind of parse your way through the NFL as well. This is kind of a time of year where you have to have your head on a swivel, right? You have to look for, speaking of uh, football cliches, you have to look for football cliches. <laughs> you have to look out for, you know, oh, guys are really excited about the potential of this rookie. You have to look out for guy who's been struggling is in the best shape of his life, or guy who's been struggling has finally found his way on, you know, back, like back at his natural position or this position switch is totally going to fix him. You know, you kind of got to look out for those stories you hear every single time. And, you know, the struggling player has a couple of good days in camp and everybody says he's finally fixed is, like, totally one of those, and that's just more of the, like, historical data that we can then apply to these stories to make sure we don't get duped by, oh, look, Pat Elfline had a great day, suddenly he is good again. But on the other side with Cameron Dantzler, we don't have a lot of priors. I mean, you have whatever you thought about him coming out of the draft. I was kind of 50-50 on the... Well, I wasn't... I was probably more than 50-50 on the pick. I liked the pick, but I understood that there was some, like, risk to There was a lot of uncertainty to him because of his weird combine and tested athleticism and then some other, like, issues on tape and some discipline and stuff. There was a, a lot to be unsure about with Dantzler, but I overall liked him as a third rounder. His camp has exceeded that expectation. It hasn't necessarily like subverted an expectation entirely like a good day from Pat Elfline like completely goes against everything we already know about Pat Elfline so we can kind of raise an eyebrow and apply some skepticism um, I think that Cameron Dansler's performance is like within the margin of what we kind of thought was possible right every rookie comes in and of course it's possible that like they're a total slam dunk and they just like fly in off the bat it's a rookie that's the whole like thing about the draft is that's what you're trying to find so being successful at that doesn't like come into the realm of it's so impossible we should maybe like examine it further and be skeptical of it. But I think it's still far enough away from like my expectation where I agree with Andre Patterson that I want to see it continue for many, many days before the the rational part of me fully buys in. Now, the irrational fan I'm buying in and I don't care what happens because of course, because that's just like way more fun. But like the rational part of me should probably wait and watch for this to continue over a few days. Or is it just a hot streak that kind of peaked at a time where they weren't playing anything meaningful anyways? It makes camp hard to evaluate, but the good news is that camp will only last so long, and eventually we'll be able to talk about real-life regular season football games, and let's be honest, that day cannot come soon enough, but for now, we'll keep talking about training camp. But hey, there's a new Viking, and as per tradition on Locked on Vikings, we gotta tell his story, we gotta talk about his prospects in the roster, we gotta talk about what he means to the Vikings and how he got here. But before we go into that, I've got a question for you. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? Now, I know that the audience for this particular show lives all around the United States, and that means that some of you live in particularly dangerous places with regard to COVID-19. I certainly do. I live in LA. It's a pretty crammed city, and there is, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but there's kind of a pandemic outside. And so going out and getting takeout or going out and getting groceries isn't something that I really want to do, like, as routinely. And that's where DoorDash comes in. DoorDash has all of your favorite local restaurants. They have like 300,000 options all over their, their menu. So if you want to support your local restaurants during this very, very difficult time for restaurants, head on over to DoorDash. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED ON, That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKED ON. Code locked on $5 off of your first order with DoorDash. After the 2002 season, after a 15 or 16 year career ending in Green Bay, Hardy Nickerson Sr. hung up his cleats. He had a long and storied career, spent most of it with the Bucks. I think he played with the Bengals a little bit made a few Pro Bowls, and ultimately has a lot to hang his hat on. But when he retired in 2002, his son, Hardy, Hardy Jr., uh, was finally old enough to join his first Pop Warner League. And thus began the football career of Hardy Nickerson Jr. and the coaching career of Hardy Nickerson Sr. They, co- they played together... played and coached together uh, for a couple of years in high school, and eventually Hardy Nickerson Sr. got a coaching job with the Fighting Illini, and Hardy Nickerson Jr. went to start his college career at Cal. And his career at Cal was pretty standard uh, for a linebacker. He was a team captain for, I think, like four years there, All all of his four years there. He was a pretty productive linebacker there and ended up, you know, in that senior leadership place. But in his last year of eligibility, he finally got a chance to actually transfer to Illinois and play one last year. Of college football for his father, and it went okay. That that college career went all right, but Cal and Illinois, those aren't exactly blue blue chip, blue blood programs. So it was a little bit more difficult for him to crack into the NFL. He had to go through the undrafted free agent route, but the Bengals did give him a shot in 2017. And not only did he end up making the team, he actually played quite a bit for them in 2017 and 2018. And he even rotated in for more games in 2019. He played the full season of 2018, and then he rotated in for a few games in 2017 and 2019. The problem was he didn't play very well, and he ended up being waived in uh, right before the 2020 season. And then he came in for a workout. But now he's somebody with a little bit of playing experience, somebody who can help both bolster the, let's be honest, concerning depth at the linebacker position with uh, Ben Gettian on the pup. And of course, that's very concerning. You have uh, they, they tried to bring in Quentin Poling and then he got hurt. So hopefully Hardy Nickerson can provide some sort of baseline here for the Vikings' uh, other linebackers, guys like Blake Lynch and Jordan Fair and even Troy Dye, kind of a, hey, you want to get on the field? You got to be better than this guy. Or you want to be the backup that goes on the field in case of an injury to like Eric Wilson or whatever, you got to be better than this guy. And I mean, he played like abysmally in some games, at least according to, to PFF's charting of it. He, I mean, he got like grades in the 30s. I mean, it was TJ Clemming's bad. But it's like kind of uh, a Captain Jack Sparrow thing, you know, is the, the worst uh, starting linebacker you ever saw but he was starting. (laughs) And there is something to be said with that, where, like, you know, there are some guys that are just like, oh, they're not gonna make the team because they just typically don't make the team a lot. Like, that was, like, Stephen Parker, right? He didn't make the team a whole bunch. Or somebody like DeMarcus Gates, who's already been cut. I would imagine the Bengals had plenty of players of that caliber on their roster in the last three years that Hardy Nickerson was able to, like, beat out and keep his roster spot as an undrafted free agent that, like, was part of their depth for three years. So for the record, I don't think like Eric Wilson or Troy Dye are going to be like supplanted on the depth chart by this guy, but there are linebacker spots behind those people. I mean, if we assume that Ben Gideon won't come back, which uh, who knows, but let's just say he won't for now. You got, let's count it off, Barr, Kendricks, Eric Wilson, and Troy Dye, I would say those guys are pretty much locks for the roster. You can't enter a roster, uh, enter a season, especially a season with COVID-19 looming over it. You can't enter that with that thin of a linebacker group. You need probably six. So I don't hate Nickerson's odds to actually make the team, even though these like kind of late August guys are typically you know, they're, they're just shuffling around the 89th player in a normal training camp. I actually think Nickerson, I mean, he comes in some weird circumstances after being cut from the Bengals and stuff, but I actually just think because like, who's going to challenge him, right? I mean, we have like two undrafted free agents in fair and uh, Blake Lynch, and that's it. So you are still in a really rough spot. If Ben Gideon doesn't come back, you're still in a really rough spot where you're rostering two of those guys, Hardy Nickerson, who had, games for the Bengals where he was as bad a linebacker as TJ Clemmings was a tackle for the Vikings in 2016, or two undrafted free agents in Jordan Fair and Blake Lynch, you gotta roster two of those guys or enter a particularly depth-stressed season with only five linebackers. That's pretty nuts. And it sucks. I mean, they didn't enter camp that way, but you had the Cam Smith thing. You've had a Ben Getty, an injury. You've waived DeMarcus Gates. You lost Quentin Polling to an injury. I mean, they've had really bad luck in this linebacker spot and quite a bit of turmoil. So if Hardy Nickerson can come in and be the guy, I mean, again, you wouldn't want him as a starter. But if you are in the spot where, oh my God, we're down to our fifth linebacker because Eric Wilson and Anthony Barr are hurt or, or whatever, and we need a guy to come in, you know, on on rushing downs, on, you know, first downs and be the third linebacker for two games because somebody's sprained an ankle or whatever, right? That's a lot easier to talk myself into somebody with a little bit of veteran experience, even if it wasn't quality veteran experience like Hardy Nickerson versus, oh my God, we got to put Blake Lynch on the field. I hope he knows how to play linebacker by now. All this is to say for as tough of a time as Hardy Nickerson has fallen on after kind of flaming out in Cincinnati with not very good play, he kind of landed in a perfect spot for a little bit of a redemption arc here. One last thing before I wrap up here, a quick network note. If you are a fan of the Locked On NFL podcast, then you're going to want to listen up. You probably already heard this from uh, Matt and Brian over there, but they are moving. They're not leaving the Locked On network. They're moving to a different RSS feed. They're going to start their own uh, Matt and Brian show. I don't even know what it's going to be called, if it's going to be like the Peacock and Williamson show or whatever, Uh, but they are going to, it's going to be the exact same show, just on a different feed. So if you're a fan of that show, you're going to want to make sure you go into the, uh, wherever you find your favorite podcasts and go subscribe to that one as well. They're going to do some simultaneous uploading for a while and they're going to scream it from the rooftop. So you got plenty of time and it's going to be fine, but you got to go do the subscribe thing to there, but don't do not unsubscribe from locked on NFL. I just need you to trust me on that one the Locked On NFL feed is still going to upload some new stuff that is going to be just beautiful, wonderful candy for your ears. And then Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson are going to keep doing their show just under a different name. Only aesthetic changes. But anyways, I will see you guys tomorrow. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. You should go head on over and listen to that Locked on NFL show. See if you're into the Matt and Brian show as it is going to be called. Or I guess whatever it's going to be called. Uh, you should go listen to it. I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.